Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> Welcome to the fourth pillar of play, a night shift radio production where we support your adventure in tabletop game design by discussing, learning, and creating right alongside you. Hey, Talon. Hello. How are you doing? I'm um, not too bad. Yeah. Um, I had some potential car trouble that turned out great, so I'm okay. That's always good. <laughs> always fun. It's very nice to have everyone here, and it's as um, just like last week. It's very nice to also have with us Daisy the podcast. I was going to say we almost forgot to greet Daisy the podcast dog. Yes. slumbering quietly. Yeah, she's <laughs> she doesn't care, yeah. but uh, those at home mm-hmm. care about Daisy the podcast. Yeah, dog. I think it's going to be a thing. She's going to be more popular than us. Oh, it'll be the first T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um. So last week, uh, jumping right into things, last week we talked about learning how to actually start designing a mechanic. Mm-hmm. And we based this off We left of, off with that, right? Yeah, we left yeah. off with that. Yep. So we were talking about how to create new mechanics for a game based on something that we read and discussed from the Cobalt Guide to Game Design, mm-hmm. the chapter, chapter five from that book called Seize the Hook by Rob Heinsu. Yep. And we're... He talked about creating a central mechanic that is reflective of the themes of your game and that is central to the development of the game working in concert. Yeah. And we discussed the themes of Estoroc, mm-hmm. our game, coming to the conclusion that we were really looking at kind of between a rock and a hard place, yeah. a world where you are cosmically locked and the world doesn't want you there to mm-hmm. something to some extent. That might be an oversimplification of the actual um, concept that we're right. looking at, but that's the idea. And after talking about that and looking at that, we spent a week discussing game mechanics and talking about game mechanics. And that is a word that has plagued my nightmares for the pl- past week. I don't know. I think you've been dreaming. You've been yes. dreaming pretty well about it. I, I think you, I said earlier today, I think you took to it way more than I expected you to. Well, so when I hear the word mechanics, yeah. I start thinking about the aspects of a game that have always eluded me personally. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring this back to Magic the Gathering. Now, you never played Magic the Gathering, correct? I mean, I did when it first came out. Um, 
but I always found a con- I didn't play it until Arena, until it went digital and all that math and figuring and, and doing could be done for me. So I played it originally mm-hmm. when I was in high school, yep. mid-90s, and sucked. Yeah. I was not good at magic. Still to this day, I know way more about the lore of Magic the Gathering than I do how to play the game. I had friends whose brains would click into this card game mm-hmm. and they knew, well, uh, I can do this card combination. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of deep thought for people who might mock and stereotype Magic the Gathering players. Mm-hmm. I do feel as though many Magic the Gathering players unlock an extreme amount of intelligent math and strategy in their heads when they play. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially if you go back to like the early days of it where you really didn't have you couldn't read out. You couldn't lean into like a message board. It really wasn't too much of a thing. I mean, you were figuring out these deck combinations yourself. Right. And it is complicated. I mean, honestly, chess is nothing. Exactly. You know? yeah. So when I think about mechanics, I think about Magic the Gathering. Even as an adult playing Magic the Gathering with teenagers, they would wipe the floor with me because I, again, and these were teenagers that had the internet right. to then work on and build things. But I look at these Magic the Gathering players who are able to see the mechanics in a way and mm-hmm. the, the interactions of the cards in ways that I'm it, may, it boggles my mind right. a little bit. Now that said, I have never really invested a ton of my time into going there with my brain. I always right. was I wanted to be a casual magic player and if you are a casual magic player that translates to a magic player who loses. Right. Well, I mean the they they actually released um like basically dueling decks for that purpose. Right. Where they have static cards and you can actually master them. Um and again, if you're casual, really you go to like Magic the Gathering Arena, not even Magic the Gathering online or or, or .com because that's a little bit different than the mechanics of the way the arena is slightly more arcadeish. Um, and the rules are less complicated, the banning and, and whatever. But I mean, I've only ever successfully created one awesome deck that I would win probably 62% of the time ever. And I spent way too much time, especially during COVID too, Yeah, playing that game. I, I just came up, always felt like I came up short. Yeah, that's mechanics heavy. So when I started thinking about mechanics this week, mm-hmm. I started having like PTSD flashbacks yeah. to not to minimize actual PTSD, right. but I started having like these flashbacks to feeling inadequate at Magic the Gathering because, well, because I'm plagued by self doubt. I believe we covered that we have last covered week. This, yes. Yeah, that was the um, random encounter. The or do we need to revisit the random? No, we encounter don't. No, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I promise, <laughs> Doctor Josh. I'm yeah. good. Yeah. The I mean, I'm okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not good. I'm not good, right. I'm what's not good the ne- yet. What's the next thing on our list? <laughs> <laughs> so as I started thinking about mechanics, yeah. I tried to do the thing that we were reading about in the book, about balancing and remembering that your your world and your mechanics, your lore and your mechanics have to work in concert. Mm-hmm. So I started like imagining a world. I imagined a world where adventurers have to work with every fiber of their being to survive in a horribly hostile environment, a jungle where every beast around every corner would happily eat you alive. And I imagined adventurers who are exploring ruins and descending on creaking ropes through fallen temples filled with vines and creatures and every night having to work hard to keep themselves also from... 
being infected by mm-hmm. this nature and pulling. I imagine the scene from the ruins where they have to, like the vines have grown inside her leg and she's got to pull them out. Yeah. Or I imagined um, someone like desperately like having to try to keep their arm from changing and like they're trying and maybe they're even, you know, doing some like body horror, you know, self-harm trying to like, oh God, there's, I'm growing fur. Let me cut it off kind of stuff. And I really was trying to embody this idea of this dark scariness. Mm -hmm. And then I said, okay, if that's where I want my head to be at for this mechanic, how can I now make that mechanic a reality? And I, I immediately decided, no, we've said this before, neither of us are math people. No. Um, and I had to start learning some math. Yeah. Well, and to, we, yeah, we did some testing with the math. Yeah. So yeah. I had to start learning some math. So the source material, the homework I ended up doing was revisiting middle school ratio math. Oh. Which was so fun. Yeah. Can you see my face? I, I Listeners can. at home can't see my yeah, face. Yeah, but you're, you're very enthusiastic about it. I'm so enthusiastic about this. Yeah. So I had to revisit ratio math mm-hmm. and start coming up with a mechanic that would embody that feeling that I've been thinking about, right. that that terror, the, the inevitability of that descent, that heart of darkness eventually swallowing you whole. And so I spent some time learning some math. Did you I, ruminate on a lighter side of that? No. <laughs> Why would I do that? That's, well, that's some no people fun. may want to play that way. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, you know, this is no, just to I get a place saying. to no, start. I got you. No, I'm just, I'm just giving um, you a hard time, of course. But let's think about that for a second. How about, how about this for a random encounter? Okay. Can you be a game designer and not know math and not understand probability, I think would be the first one. Mm-hmm. Do you have to be a, especially for designing for something like Dungeons and Dragons, do you feel right. like you have to be well adept at probability math to design games to design it huh yeah um i really would like to say no would you like to say no i would like to say that but will you no no i don't think that's you probably, just said no. i don't think it's probably accurate unless yeah. you're just gonna yeah i guess it's probably not accurate you have to have i think a basic understanding of math you would probably need a you you would probably need to train yourself to have a bit more than a basic understanding. Nothing radical, but so yeah. What I discovered that I had I mean to, at least you have to have a really good grasp of probability, right? Well, that's what I'm that's what I yeah. figured out is yeah. that I had to determine. So for instance, I started with things like d6s. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so what is the probability of rolling a 6 on a d6? You take 1, you divide it by 6 and it gives the number. I actually don't have it here in front of me, and I'm right. not going to do that math in my head. Um, for instance, on a d10, yeah. <laughs> So we'll, we'll make it easy. Yeah. On a D10, the chances of rolling a one is 10%. Yep. The chances of rolling a one or a two is 20%. Yeah. But on a D12 or a D6 or a D8, what are those same percentile chances? Mm-hmm. And so I had to do a little bit of reading, just kind of brush, like I said, brushing up my middle school math. Right. And Because it's inseparable from the concept. Right. Because if you don't have the probability figured out... Um, well, that's when balance comes into play and you could you could ruin everything. And that's you know? what I, yeah. that's why I had to do it because yeah. I was thinking about balance. Mm-hmm. You read about you read online about any sort of game and people are like, "Oh, that's not balanced. Right. This isn't balanced. That's mm-hmm. not balanced." And I think half the time when they say when people online complain about something being balanced, what they're saying is, "I don't like it." Yeah, I think it yeah, I would totally agree with that because that happens a lot. Period. Like this is hard for me. 
it was it, it was always like when I was a kid and I would play like uh, a Nintendo game with a friend who wasn't good at it, and then the friend would say, "I think your controller's broken." Like I used to hear your control. I don't think your controller's working, and and that's I think that's that balance that's not balance falls into that category of yeah. I think your controller's broken. Like if I'm not winning here, it's and if unbalanced. it's not going my this, it's unbalanced. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty often the case. But if you're designing games, well, especially with the concept of revergence, exactly because it needs to be balanced. Because if it isn't, be then, but you know, here's the thing: character. it has to be balanced in its imbalance. Say that again. Yeah, it has to be balanced. In its imbalance. Oh, because it's imbalance. Okay. Remember, revergence is a slippery slope mechanic. Yes. So right, that's right. It has to get worse as it goes further, mm-hmm. and get harder. So, but it has to be enticing enough that you want. Exactly. You need to want to go, but then yeah. you got to be careful because you're going to get pulled farther than you want to go. Right. At first, you're good, and you can kind of go back, but then you know, eventually, you're kind of looking. You now, if we're going to use the slope, you're going. Well, I could probably grab that branch and that branch, and I'd still be good. I'm not going to fall on the jagged rocks. Right. Even though you can see the jagged rocks, there has to be something to still and something could potentially upset entice your plan. You. Right. Yeah, potentially entice you to keep moving towards it. So, if we talk about our random encounter day being like talking about how. What are some of the, I mean, what do you think are some of the other skills you're going to have to brush up on to be a game designer? So we obviously are going to have to make sure that we are familiar with math. Now, do I think we need to be able to do it in our heads? No. No. I immediately built a Excel spreadsheet. Right. To do the math. Right. I, right. Where I can pick any number of any deed and it will tell me the percentiles. Yeah. I went um, I really enjoy making Excel formulas. Mm-hmm. But. That's, my wife does as well. And I would be embarrassed for anyone who does Excel formulas professionally to look at my excel for you formulas because i'm sure that they are very inefficient but they mm-hmm. get the job done and right. that's all that matters right but what else you have to be good at writing yeah you, you know and probably a little bit more technical writing than you would initially think because you need to be able to break down something that's complicated and make it understandable and that's where i'm i think i'm struggling the most oh, yeah, yeah. i'm struggling the most like learning the ma- refreshing my brain in the math not as big a deal as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. It, I was like, oh, math. Right. But it came it came pretty easy, easy once I wrapped my brain around it. It's mm-hmm. not a big deal. Narrative writing. Yeah, you're excellent. I, and you can whip that well, off. I don't mind doing it. Yeah. I don't mind doing it. It needs edit passes, et cetera. Right. But I was right when I said you're excellent. Okay. I appreciate you. Um, technical writing. Dungeons and Dragons. Tabletop RPGs in general mm-hmm. are technical writing. This is something that um, Sean Merwin and Teos Abadia have said on Mastering Dungeons podcast. Yeah. They have said that it's technical writing. I am not a technical writer. Right. When I when someone what someone else well, can describe in describe in two sentences mechanically, yeah. I write out in a paragraph that's a story. Well, I, and the more difficult part is technical writing for the masses. Right. Right. So not for technicians. Yeah. So I I got certified. I got HIPAA certified at a previous job. Um, Because I was walking around a hospital. And part of the HIPAA certification was the understanding that the average communication level, that you have to be able to take all these complicated medical terms, it was just part of the the learning in the class, and be able to make it so that perhaps a fifth grader could understand what you were saying. And when I, you know, they talk about the average reading level of the newspaper, they say Mm -hmm. it's about a seventh or eighth grade reading level. Yep. Because you have to make it accessible to the masses. The reading level is, I think, from what I understood, different than the verbal communication level. You you have to often do the verbal lower than the reading level. When you're a doctor, because the stakes are so high, they want to make sure that it is understood. And as a designer, you spend all this time buried in your own mechanic, buried in your own writing. You understand it. You're like the person who understands all those kids who understand the magic cards to bring it back full circle. 
And then you've got to explain to someone who doesn't play magic or doesn't know your game with the depth mm -hmm. that you do, yeah. how your game works. Mm -hmm. That's rough. Yeah. I mean, I've known and, you know, sat at tables with a couple board game designers and that's a, that's, they'll always talk about, they're trying to explain and getting those directions and getting them down to you. Um, I know that the one, I, I, his name escapes me at the moment, we were playing at a local uh, game store and he was saying the hardest thing that you often need to include, but is so frustrating to work into the technical directions to make people understand why you need it is the player token. You ever play any board games with a player token? Yes. They're important. You yeah, forget them all the time. And you often play a game, he said, probably you probably add 40, 40 minutes to an hour because you don't use the player token. <laughs> because you're probably forgetting things that would... Because because we were not paying attention, you're forgetting things that would have made the game shorter. You're almost house ruling more often, he said. He gave some examples at the time. but So I should clarify. When you say player token, you mean the token that you pass when it's someone yes, else's when turn. when it's your turn. Yes, yes. When it's your turn. It's He's, the talking he, stick. Yeah, he said for longer games, it, you'd be surprised at how much time it can save you. Well, just Because you know it's at... your part and you remember you're passing it on. He said it's a very psychological thing, but there's a lot of technical stuff attached to it and he doesn't know how to most board game designers struggle to get people to understand that so they tend to write their well especially since so many modern board games now have a player has so many different phases of their turn mm -hmm. so over the uh, over the thanksgiving break mm -hmm. i hope everyone had a wonderful holiday with their families if mm -hmm. they celebrated thanksgiving i had a chance to play um death may die yep the cthulhu board game yep cool man you're not and well, we had a we had the little mint Cthulhu. Oh, oh yeah. Well, it's it's called Cool Mini or Not is the name of the company that oh, does. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, C M uh, C M O N. Okay, Cool Mini or Not. So we yep. played Death May Die. Mm -hmm. like so Cool Mini the, or Not. So you didn't get the start. So you didn't have the Kickstarter edition. It was from the Kickstarter. Oh, you know what? Yeah, the Kickstarter edition. You have to pay extra for the baby size Cthulhu. Exactly. And so, by baby, I mean human baby size Cthulhu. Human baby size. <laughs> it's like what is it in Parks and Rec? It's, a, it's our child size soda. No, it's the size of a child. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we played Cthulhu Death May Die, mm -hmm. and it was fun. Yeah. Honestly, my favorite Cthulhu Lovecraft Mythos board game I've ever played. Mm -hmm. And there was a mechanic in there. I told you about this. Yep. That I actually really liked where you power yourself up in your attacks by adding dice but every time you add dice you also have a greater chance of rolling what the negative effects mm -hmm. and i will say that that inspired me so i had taken the math learning i'd been thinking about yeah. i took the having played cthulhu death may die and go oh that's just adding dice and that and that increases a probability mm -hmm. duh and then i took the thinking about the lore like imagining that world yeah and i started and i and i nailed out a mechanic one of the things i can't wait to show people is to show them my notes from when we were recording last week. Yes. My notebook pages that I showed you. Yep. And the typed out mechanic that I have in front of us right now. Right. The three iterations of growth of my mechanic. But before we get to that. Yeah. I, and I'm going to consider that our random encounter. Sure. Concluded. Yes. Yeah. It was more like a, it sort of dovetailed with the rest of the story. But a good random encounter can blend with the rest of your story. A good random encounter should right. maybe be give the player something in the greater scheme of things. Yeah. So that's what this random encounter did. Yeah. So we talked about our mechanic. Our central mechanic for the world of Estrock is called Revergence, the process by which you are reabsorbed by nature due to the infusion of Iliaster through all living things and through the environment, the air, the water, the, yeah. you know, everything that you interact with. And mm -hmm. it slowly breaks you down and it's really funny because i was looking up 
words because I usually have the thesaurus open when I'm yeah. when I'm writing. Yeah. And I keep con- meaning to just get an app because when I come up, when I think of all these things, I'm like, I just should just have just a thesaurus app on me at all times. I, you know, they used to say that using a thesaurus as a writer is a bad idea, mm-hmm. a terrible idea, a, a malinformed idea, a- <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> an odious idea. Yeah. Anyway, the um, oh, what was I saying? Oh, you were just we were just talking about how you absolutely need it when you come up with these ideas because right now, for example, oh. we're using Boons and Banes, which we're not a huge fan of, but. Right. So, and I was looking up words that mean like being reabsorbed or, or being forcibly combined. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the words that came up was convergence. <laughs> and I was like, nope, it's revergence. Yeah. It's, it's, but it's close to an existing word, which I actually thought yeah. strengthened the use of that word, which I can't find anywhere else in the world. So it's ours. Yeah. Trademark. Yeah. As of now. Yeah. TM. No one else uses it. Stamp. So our, con- our mechanic is called convergence, the process by which you are reabsorbed into nature and nature becomes part of you you become part of nature etc cetera, etc cetera. and we had talked about at the end of last episode two different well we we talked about at the end of last episode hey everyone think about hex flowers right yep yep okay because that was where we started our brain so i think we should go back to that mm-hmm. so as a preview to things come so for those of you at home who are not familiar with what a hex flower is a hex flower is a it's a game mechanic that was, I read about it on a blog post by Goblin's Henchman is the name of the blog. And there's a link to this in the show notes where he talks about the hex flower game engine. Mm-hmm. And basically what it is, is it's a way of making logical random tables. It's as yeah. simple as that. It's a logical random table. Because it, it's presented as a way of handling weather. That is the easiest way to yeah. make people understand what it does. Right. If you roll on a random weather chart, you could theoretically get tornado thunderstorm bright shiny sunny day tornado thunderstorm bright shiny sunny day flood blizzard flood blizzard flood blizzard back and forth because you're rolling on a random table and what a hex flower does and you should i will you know you should definitely look at a picture of what one of these looks like Mm -hmm. it is a grid of hexagons it looks it looks to me a little bit like the interior of a space telescope array Mm -hmm. um like the james webb telescope yeah and for every space on the hex you roll 2d6 and the total of your two die rolls determines which direction you move and there are certain directions that are more likely and less likely right and the you can make it so that the areas to wit from you know where you move makes logical sense from where you start mm-hmm. so you don't jump from bright shiny sunny day to hurricane right you're you you don't it it creates like a, a, a sensible progression. You and can't just go directly back. You can't jump from one end of the world to the other. We'll exactly. Right? Yeah. There are places on the on a hex flare where you can jump to the other side, right. but it still makes sense. But you, there's a there's a linear path to it. If mm-hmm. you retrace it, it it could look like a weather pattern. And it's yeah. and and in his blog, he talks about it can be used a bunch of different ways. You can buy. A the Hexflower cookbook from him on mm-hmm. Drive Through RPG, which I did, mm-hmm. and it is very good technical writing. It is, um, but he shows or they show it's Goblin's right. henchman. Yeah. I unfortunately do not know. They show how it can be used in a game to do a trial jury. It can be do it can be used to do weather. It can be used mm-hmm. a bunch of different ways. Whether or not you get lost, and because it's that random progression, so. I was, so our first thought was, well, could we use a hex flower for revergence? Right. So I have here in front of me a and, hex flower. Yeah, and was that original idea for 
it was because we were thinking Revergence had. Why did we think it would fit really well? Uh, well, I think it was yeah. because it was a cool game mechanic, and we thought maybe this could work for Revergence. Yeah, I think, I it, think it literally simple. was birthed from a just a random throwaway comment. Hey, maybe. Yeah, could. but because now that I know about what we'll go over next, it. Okay, go ahead. Why well, don't we go back to your example you were going to give? Sorry, I just I'm trying to remember exactly now that for, for what it seems to be becoming, I'm just trying to. How did we yeah, get? How did we? How yeah. did we decide to use a hex flower? Yeah. I really like hex flowers. I think it's a really clever engine. Oh yeah. I don't know if ultimately it will work for revergence because it's still at the end of the day random. Right. And it does progress. A hex flower tends. So if you're staring at the the hexagon array, mm -hmm. the trend according to Goblin Henchman is that numerically you're you will trend straight down and to the left, down and to the left. It's my in my joke about the magic bullet in Oliver Stone's mm -hmm. down into the JFK, left. down and to the left. Although I don't think that's the directions of the movie. Right. So you can certainly put mechanics onto a hex flower and say like, well, it's going to trend this way. But for instance, it would be hard to lose your character to Revergence on a hex flower. Or it would be incredibly easy to lose your character to Revergence on a hex flower. Right. So it it lacks, it doesn't have enough probability. It doesn't have a bell curve. It doesn't have an arc. Okay, right. So if I were to put the, let's say I put full Revergence, you lose your character. You become a tree. You become a jaguar. You become a rock, whatever. Mm. And that's a very oversimplification of what happens. But right. in general, that's a good way of thinking about it. If I put it at the top of the hex flower, you know, hex number 19, mm. I ran through this several times using dice, rolling 40 to 50 rolls on this chart and never once ended up at 19. Okay. So I've gone through this yeah. a couple times because the mathematical trend is down and to the left. Yeah. So if I put full revergence, you lose your character at the bottom of the hex flower. I got there very fast. Okay. Because you can start anywhere. You can start at one at the very bottom. You can start at 10, which is right in the middle. Right. But inevitably, it does trend down and to the left. Which is thematically not adequate. It's not. Ad it doesn't match my imagine a world. Yeah. So it mechanics doesn't... Blend. doesn't yeah, that doesn't matter. So this mechanic doesn't, I don't think, serve the purpose that we're looking for when it comes to revergence. So numerically, it kind of became you got bit by a werewolf, now you're a werewolf. Yeah, and so on this, so on this chart, just for mm -hmm. to explain, I have one through nineteen. There are nineteen hexes, and I put things like an aesthetic effect for three choices, yep. an aesthetic effect, and one minor boon. Yep. Good thing that so there's a couple hexes that are aesthetic effect with one minor boon. There's several hexes that are minor boon and a minor bane. And then there's some hexes that are major boon and minor bane. And then there's hexes that are major bane, minor boon. And then there's major boon and major bane and then full revergence. Yeah. Which I know that's a lot of saying boon and bane for people listening in their cars. Yeah. I apologize. Boon and bane. Look at the... I'll, I'll put pictures of all of this stuff right. um, on Instagram yeah. when we... So and you can scroll through all the, the different... mild way. Because ultimately, yeah. this is one of those episodes, man, yeah. where we're like in math weeds. Yeah, it might trend down. This is the kind. <laughs> it might trend down and to the left. Yes. <laughs> it's possible. Well done. Well yeah. done, sir. It's it's one of those episodes that I think would probably benefit better from being on video. Yeah. So people could see what we're talking about. Yeah. So not to belabor this math too much, but I will put a picture of my hex flower that I that Yeah, especially because hex flower is ultimately not the winner. Right, so, exactly. We're good. I don't think Hexflower is the winner. Yep. So let me talk to you a little bit about the mechanic that then I sort of sketched up. Yep. I took our page of marker notes that I have mm -hmm. here. Yep. 
I then sent you a picture of a notebook page yep. filled with math. One side, you didn't see the other side. The other side was me frantically learning how to multiply fractions. Oh, okay. That was math? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just, okay. I couldn't comprehend what it was. Oh, yeah. It was that, <laughs> it was that good, huh? That, that's where I am. So this was when I was like, all right, so what are the chances of rolling a six on a D6? Mm-hmm. So then I thought, I was thinking about Cthulhu, Death May Die. Mm-hmm. And how you have a, if you roll a tentacle, you go up in madness. But if right. you roll an exclamation point, you do damage to the bad guy. Pretty simple. Yeah. So it's like, all right, so what if Revergence starts with a couple of dice, and then as you, and you have a good effect on one number and a bad effect on another number, mm-hmm. and then as you progress, you add dice, so you're more likely to advance the bad stuff as you're advancing the good stuff. Right. And then you add, the more dice you add, the more faster that advancement will be on the bad stuff. It's essentially very similar to that madness mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, from what I've heard, it's that's used in a lot of different games, and duh, I'm not a math person. I'm not a game designer. So learning that that's a very commonly used game mechanic to advance things faster and faster as it goes, Mm -hmm. that made sense. And it sort of meshed with my inner world imagining. Mm -hmm. So I wrote out this Revergence version 0.1, and it is a three-tier track. And the first tier is aesthetic effects. Yep. The second tier is... Uh, boons with minor banes mm-hmm. and the third tier is major boons and major banes but also the danger of losing your character right so it starts with the first two uh so your first tier tier one the aesthetic effects you're rolling 2d6 so i believe i wrote the percentile no i did i pr- did the percentile chances mm-hmm. the chances so i started this with a d6 this was great i started this with 2d6 and i learned very quickly that people would lose their character in two games right it's yes. too fast. It yes. was way, way too, fast. too fast. So then I was like, oh, okay, D8, four games. <laughs> I was like, oh, geez. So right. then I jumped it up to D12s. And do you know what I like about this? What's that? No one uses it. I no mean, one D12 uses a D12. hardly ever gets used. Yeah. So my, I'm, now I'm just like married to the idea of using the D12 for the mechanic yeah. because poor D12 needs some love. Yeah. No, I agree. All You're the barbarians out there are going, wait, I use the D12. Yeah. Yes, you do. Congratulations. And um, poison spray. And poison spray users. uses the D12. Yep. <laughs> So our Strad game uses the D12. Exactly. So I jumped this up to 2D12. So you're rolling 2D12. If so you roll it, If I may, would it be helpful in explaining if we drop down to the triggering events? Yes. So that they know why. Okay. What we're talking about when we're yeah. rolling. Okay. So I'll just jump. I'm just going to read right off your list. The following list of events trigger a character's revergence roll, which we will describe. Um, spending a week or more on the verge, which would be... Right in the heart of the heart, the of, heart dark, of darkness. You're right in the middle correct. of it. Yep. Um, exposure to raw iliaster. And uh, I would love to have for some of these. Like I would love the the role to be like the equivalent in our game of advantage or disadvantage. Right. On this role, but I don't know what that would be. Sorry to mm-hmm. interject. No, it's okay. Um, eating or drinking significant amounts of food or water from the verge. So you you know picked a, a banana off a tree or something. And, and, right. Right. Well, and again, how each of these things and change the game in the future. Mm-hmm. Does this force? Does that particular triggering event force our game to be a resource management game? How often do you? And how, and, how often do you in either game that I run for you track your rations? I mean, we we talked about it maybe in the beginning from time to time, but yeah. You know. So if your rations run out, then you're forced to eat food from the verge right. and make. Rolls. So then that would be a game master requirement. A game master requirement might be that you do have to keep track of your rations. Yeah, it's one of those ones you can't skip it, unless you create something where you're not in the verge. 
Right. Know. Yeah. Okay. Um, being wounded by a revergent creature's natural weapons. I would assume that's claws. Claws, bites, stingers. Would it be a net? Is it a natural weapon that pustules? Well, that's what I'm saying. Is it a, is it a juicy natural weapon or could a dry claw do it? Is, All the best word? natural weapons are juicy natural sure, weapons. Sure. Right. So uh, again, so then a slither shadow, it's got lots well, of. Well, a slither shadow, it might not be a revergent monster yet. That's true. So this oh, yeah. is also built on a TBD mm-hmm. because we haven't come up with a template yet that is revergent because we wanted to come up with the revergent mechanic, right? Revergence mechanic before we started coming up with templates to layer over top of monsters. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then certain spells or spell-like effects. TBD. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. So you, you might have evil, the, the equivalent of a verge necromancer or cultist mm-hmm. that casts a spell that forces you to make a revergent roll. Now, will any of these trigger an additional revergence roll? Well, that's what I was running. Like Iliaster, you make two. Right. Because if you get exposed to raw Iliaster, it's literally the most dangerous version of that. Right. Something like that. But who knows? Which because makes you this wonder. Is not, this is not tested. Yeah. So. Which then makes the mechanic another layer of mechanic development tricky. Like I don't... It, we want it to be fun, not complicated. And that's what I, the other part of it I was thinking about. Like, mm. so what am I, are we going to have, is this game about tracking revergence or is it about playing D&D? Right. Ah, this is this is the complication. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I just pointed out though, it could be optional. It depends on where, I mean, you could do a city adventure. Yeah. And it could be in Last Call or whatever city you choose to make up, which has, you know, again, it, it's weird because we have to create those rules that in conversation, I'm always going, well, we don't, we don't need to do that. You know, and Sly Flair says the same thing. Well, just don't do that. Just yeah. don't put that in your game. You know, so you get, it's there's also a certain heartbreakingness too. It's just like you could do the whole revergence thing, and they're like, eh, "I'm skipping over that." Yeah. Oh, we love the setting. We just never do the revergent mechanics. Right. It's okay. No, it's okay. Wah, wah. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, in my head, what I imagine would well, there would be a uh, Constitution saving throw. Every time one of these triggering events, I think happens. the revergence mechanic is a great idea. Just for the, I mean, just well, I appreciate just that. because it. Well, just I mean, granted, we we both kind of came up with it, but just the idea that it adds um, some urgency. It's a savage world, and it's a fun urgency mm-hmm. because it could be like you know one game you're enjoying. Look at this sweet bear claw I now have. You know, I I think I said that before, and then all yeah. of a sudden you're like, now I can barely form a sentence because I'm almost becoming a bear that wields a sword. You know, like, that's just cool. Mm-hmm. I can I lose my opposable thumbs. Right, yeah. Forcing character changes, like, that's kind of neat. Definitely so, kind of neat. Um, so you eat a banana out in the verge. You eat a banana. <laughs> <laughs> you eat a banana in the verge, yeah. and then you have to make a constitution saving throw. Okay, yeah. So you don't start making c- revergence rolls. I almost called it convergence. Mm-hmm. Revergence rolls until you have failed your constitution saving throw, and you are officially on the revergence track. Right. So you might be able to do a bunch of these things and never have the problem. Again, I wanted that element of some people who are better and some people who are worse at mm-hmm. at avoiding revergence. I couldn't think about how that would apply to, like, for instance, people who live in the Colossal Expanse coming into the Verge. This should be harder, but right. I don't know how that'll work yet. Right. Again, this is draft one. So Was there inoculation process? Like well, you're going to visit... Another we, country? Do you have your vaccination? We already talked about yeah. anti-Iliaster and, you know, there being yeah. spells and the ability to use Iliaster to prevent reversion. Mm-hmm. Everyone at home is going, wait, I thought you said it's what caused it. Yes. Yeah. And. Yes. And. <laughs> that's how vaccines work. Right. Yeah. Um, so on the revergence chart, you, you fail your constitution saving throw. Mm-hmm. You start rolling for effects. The first couple of levels, you're going to roll a lot and nothing's going to happen. And we Be- tested that digitally on D&D Beyond. And mechanically. Yep. 
Uh, that's right. Yeah, uh, we did mechanically with Me- dice. Yeah, mechanically, we all know how we roll mechanically. Yes. So I got it pretty quick. <laughs> in my case, because that's just how it's going to be. <laughs> well, you know, you never know. He's like, do they have a machine? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But you roll two d twelve, and you only take a revergence effect. In this case, they were said we call them aesthetic effects. Yeah. On a twelve. Yeah. By the way, for those of you at home, that's a sixteen percent chance. Yeah. You get a 16% chance to get an effect. If you do roll a 12, you get an effect and you go to the next level. Yep. Now that repeats for the second level. 12, 16% chance. You choose an aesthetic effect and then you move forward. And then the dice start to increase. So then it goes to 3d12. Same thing. Same still tier one effect. The last row of every tier is an advance of dice. Okay. Yeah. It's the pushing into the next tier element. Mm Mm-hmm. The again, all of this. If you are interested in following along with this or looking at what I'm talking about, I apologize for talking about math on a podcast. No, that's okay. I mean, but I think it's fine. the PDF yeah. of this draft will be up on our website and you can look at it there. Mm-hmm. And so then you add 3d12 and your chances of rolling a 12 jump up to 23%. That's one in four, right? Roughly, yeah. You choose your, th- you choose your effect, you advance. Now in tier two, we introduce boons and banes. Now we start having mechanical advantages and disadvantages. You roll a 1, you get a disadvantage. You roll a 12, you get an advantage. Mm-hmm. Now that is, again, 23% chance of either. You only advance when you get a boon, when something good happens. Okay. Which means yeah. you might gather three banes and then a boon. Yeah. But you will at least... The, the reason I, my thought process for doing that was I don't want you to advance until you've at least gotten something good. Right. Yeah. So maybe there's something in there that you can only get one bane. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because ever as of right now, I'm trying to think of what would be the worst luck rolls? I rolled one four times, you know, before yeah. I rolled a 12. So you advance, This the same progression goes. One for a bane, 12 for a boon, advance on a boon. Yeah. Last level of the second tier, you switch to 40-12. And now if you roll a one, it's a 29% chance. And you choose a bane or a 29% chance of getting a boon. And it pushes you into the next level. So at this point, you've got a 30% chance. It's going to take fewer rolls to advance at this point. So this does yeah. achieve one thing. It starts slow. You might do... And then it goes much I think faster. one time I used Google to roll the, the yeah, dice. Yeah, we did the rolls. And, and it was, it was 40, 40 rolls. Yeah, 44 rolls. 44 rolls before I rolled a 12. Yeah. Ah, I just think that wasn't working. That is right. how probability works, but still. That yeah. seems still pretty... I want to know what is the chance... Okay, so if I have any math people out there... Yeah. What are the chances of not rolling a 12 on 44 2d12 rolls? Right. Thank you, Rod Wolf. <laughs> he already knows. <laughs> so you roll, you advance. Now you're in tier three. Mm-hmm. Tier three is major banes and major boons. Yeah. However, you get a boon on a 12, which is a 29% chance. You get a bane on a one or a two. Again, that's, this is the slippery slope, making it worse and worse, but more powerful and more powerful. That is a 52% chance, and now you advance on Banes. You might not get any boons. Mm-hmm. If you hit this level, you might have, it might push you forward on Banes alone. And you do that. You have three levels of that, and then if you roll a 1 or a 2 on 5d12, the last tier, mm-hmm. which is a 60% chance, right. you get you lose your character revergence. Yeah. So have we determined whether or not a Bane is entirely a bad thing? Like maybe you can shoot lasers out of your, you know, lasers out of your eyes, I, but now your vision is impaired. Well, and that's Does, sort of what I was thinking, and yeah. that maybe that's maybe that's more of the mechanic we want. Uh, because then you is, can move forward, but then maybe you're blind and at a disadvantage for other attacks that you know, and you right. can't just keep doing. So I think about the dark 
gifts for uh, Curse of Strahd. Mm-hmm. And spoilers for Curse of Strahd. Cover your ears, Josh. I'll, I'll survive. I'm an excellent but metagamer. There are elements in Curse of Strahd where you get a, a in gift. That I don't. A dark gift. These are also in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Mm-hmm. You get a dark gift, which gives you a benefit and a negative. Yeah. So perhaps you can fly, but you have to eat grave dirt. It's usually stuff like that, I think, is something along those lines in one mm-hmm. of them. We could do that with this because we might end up, again, this could be catastrophically bad. Right. I, in fact, I'm willing to bet it probably doesn't work, but it's a start. And if we're, again, right. we're talking about learning how to design a game, you have to design bad stuff before you can design good stuff. Right. And... Yeah, because then I just start thinking of the functionality of Boone and Banes. Doesn't it have to be something that can be skinned? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if somebody comes up with their own idea, you could really get caught in that kernel. That's, mm-hmm. hmm. And again, we don't like the terms Boone and Bane, but it works for what we're talking right. about in Good this med. particular instance. The And maybe you still lose your character too fast. Again, mm-hmm. 44 rolls before moving ahead one tier. Maybe this that's a lot of games. We definitely would have to come up with mechanics for reversing this. Right. But that similarly, the reversal moving backwards through the tiers has to be progressively harder the farther into the weeds you are. Right. But there should, we definitely need to have something. But I don't want it to be so easy that everyone's like, no, I just take that up to. It doesn't just become the short rest. I don't want it to become something that can just be cheesed for more powers in the game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want it to be like, well, I did it all the way up so that I got, you know, pterodactyl wings. Right. And I got pterodactyl wings and um, and laser beams shoot out my eyes. You know, although laser beams shooting out the eyes is not something I imagine. No, me either. It was just. Quick. But it's it gets the point. I don't want to just. This isn't just an opportunity for someone to cheese more stuff. Now I guarantee you, no matter what we design, someone will come up with a way of cheesing it. Oh, they always will. They always will. I mean, some that's people. Why, that's literally how they play. And and you and know, that's what they consider fun, and that's great. That's great. If that's Have your fun. Thing. I yeah. can't do it. It's playing Magic the Gathering all over again. Right. So, well, what was the one review? I don't want to, I don't know. We had read the review about uh, Fizzman's, uh, the Treasury of Dragons about the Dragon Bow and about how the way it is written, you could just create a bunch of, the reviewer said, well, you could just create a bunch of magical arrows because the rules say that the arrows don't disappear. So right. you create a bunch of lightning arrows and then you could just go off and sell them. And I'm just like, well, I guess, yeah. But is that a weakness in the mechanic or? <laughs> right. I'm like, yeah, you could. You could make a pile of electric arrows and go sell them. And then what? Do you do that in your game? That's not a fun game to me. Right. But it is maybe to somebody else coming up with that and stymieing the the, the game master is a thing they want to do. It's it and it does boggle my mind a little bit. Like yeah. and to be fair, I'm not gonna feel bad about this because if Wizards of the Coast designs things that then people can turn around and three days after it's come mm-hmm. out have cheesed something that is unbelievable. Right. Then me learning and you learning game mechanics, we should not at all feel bad about and, coming and up I do something think that's cheesable. Accidentally stumbled back into something I mentioned in one of our discussions this week, which is we really got to, I think, stay focused on designing a game for us and the way we play it, and not right, not sweat that mm-hmm. somebody might not like it or somebody might play it in a way that breaks it and moves it from its original intent. As long as they're enjoying it, yeah. So I think if we we yeah. come up with this idea and it looks fun to us, it mm-hmm. looks like it will work to us. Right. We get our world. To a playable point. Yeah. We get Revergence to a playable point. I think that's the point at which we can start playtesting stuff. Because once we have Revergence, we can come up with templates to put over existing monsters. Mm-hmm. By that time, we'll have done our episode on the OGL yep. and talking about what monsters we can throw templates on top of. Yeah. And 
we will be able to start playtesting. We might not have races and classes yet, but you don't need those to play that. Yeah. And it's funny with the OGL discussion, you know, doing an episode on OGL, it just, when you follow current news trends, you know, for, as, for, as far as when we're recording this, the beginning of December, it just seems very like some kind of announcement on OGL has got to be close. Well, there was just one done. There was a minor one. Right. Well, a website reached out to Wizards and asked about the OGL. And they said, we will continue to support our thriving third-party publisher environment. Right. It was non- but that doesn't mean anything. It was non-committal. Yeah, exactly. It was, it here's something. Yeah. yeah. So it would be interesting when we get to it. And um, again, I'm borrowing this information from an episode of Sly Flourish. Mm-hmm. And he said that there was a post by Morris on N-World. Yep. I love Morris. Mm-hmm. That's the Level Up 5e. Yep. Level Up 5e author and conceptualizer and game designer for many, many years yeah. who said it can't go away. It literally in the OGL says that this is not withdrawable. Right. So no matter what, the only the worst case scenario was they create a new game and they call it 1D&D and there's no OGL for it. And then if you want to write your own games, you've got to stick to playing 5th edition. Right. Which, which would not be the end of the world for me. No, I mean, a lot of groups, I think, get together. I mean, well, that's so our group. Yeah. I can... Honestly, as I can imagine, we'll just always play fifth edition. Yeah. I, I can't. The only ones who would maybe break away as a couple of us would be like, hey, let's go try. Let's do a. And I right. would sooner do a level up 5e game. Right. I would yeah, love to do a level up 5e That's where I could see game. it going is, is moving for us. Yeah. But, you know, there's that kind of fluidity to it. So all that to say, moving through this mechanic, this is a draft of something. Mm-hmm. We have not yet laid out what these boons and banes would be. Now, we've right. talked about four different tracks. Yeah. I don't know if that means we should write four different tiers of mm-hmm. effects or if we should write an effect that are general and say, flavor this to whatever tier you're doing. Right. I don't know if we should be able to mix. So if a player is out in the verge and they're adventuring and they get injected with the pus from a giant slime monster that's a revergent melded giraffe, I don't know, whatever, okay. something horrific. Yeah. And they make a revergence roll, and they already have vines growing out of their arm. Mm -hmm. Should we make it so that they have to roll which type of revergence they then are infected with? Do we want someone that's got a vine arm and mushrooms growing out of their head and one foot that's turning to stone? Now, I say that, and it sounds silly, right? but it could get really horrific. Yeah, it definitely could. Um, I don't know. It's a good question. Do we lock them in to one particular track? So on the one hand, I want to say, no, you don't want to lock somebody in. But on the other hand, let's not overcomplicate things. Right. Because it could overcomplicate things. I guess it depends on what... It's already complicated keeping track of your revergent level. Yeah. Well, is this my floral revergent level? Or is this my mycelial flir- revergent level? Or mm-hmm. is this my mineral revergent Which level? Which is that part we've talked about before where they're like, what? I'm not even... I, forget it. Yeah. And I think that might be too much. Yeah. It would probably be too much. It's once you're on a path, you're on a path and the revergence. Well, given the nature of revergence that we've discussed, um, that it's perception. So if you've started down the thing where you have vines coming out of your arms, no matter what, once the revergence effect kicks up a notch, your piece of it is going to keep you going down that same path. So here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. You go into the verge. Yeah. You gain a couple of levels of revergence. Yeah. You gain a vine arm. I'm always going to use a vine arm as an example. Yeah, no, it's easy. You gain a vine arm. You then leave the verge and you go into the mountains and you find a small well of Iliaster and you fall in. Mm. And then you are you start advancing in revergence. Are you still advancing in revergence florally? 
with plants, even though you're in the mountains and there's no plants to be seen. Again, given the nature of Iliaster. <laughs> Is this if, our speed force? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about, if you're feeling like, if your perception becomes, oh my God, I've fallen into Iliaster in the mountains, do you get rock vines? Ooh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do your vines become mycelial? Do your vines become veins? You know? Right. Well, again, that's, that'll be, that'll, that type of, I, I've been thinking about this. That's definitely the kind of conversation we're just going to have to have like a sit down discussion and then just read back to listeners mm-hmm. because it's just going to be too complicated. I don't know how interesting that's going to be figuring that out. Right. On the fly. Because there's going to be a lot of, yeah, no, yeah, but, mm, and I don't know. I don't know how compelling that is to listen to. And I don't want to create a mechanic that belabors the game. Yeah. I want it to be fun. Mm-hmm. What, what's the point of putting the work into something that, you know, people are going to ignore? Right. You know, because it's not necessary. It still can be just a D&D game. It has to be simple enough to be fun while still maintaining the level of complication that right. drives the story elements that we're looking for. Right. Yeah. So as of right now, I'm I'm happy with this as a first draft. Having never written mechanics before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Unless we count the time I tried to create a magic clone as a seventh grader in my parents' basement by drawing my own cards and creating my own card game that was just a really bad magic clone. I made trading cards that way. Yeah. So I'm happy with the way this goes. Mm-hmm. Now, what we need to do is we need to generate aesthetic effects, boons, and banes for the four types of revergence. Right. But then... And even those just have to be essentially um, prompts. Yeah. You know, because I, I think I, I keep thinking of um, 5e barbarian totem warrior. Okay. Where, you know, when you become the bear totem, you know, when you utilize the bear totem, it says right in there, it explains bear. It seems most people use bear, but then it just says right in there too. But I mean, it's thematically, I know for I created one. So thematically for me, it's not a bear. It's a bull. Because right. my character was basically essentially trained, raised by a minotaur in a domain of dread. So he calls on the strength of a bull because that's essentially his father figure. Like, But it still functions the same. I just make right. it a bull instead. So one of the things we need to be constantly thinking about, I think if what, what, you're, what I'm understanding what you're saying, yeah. is we need to be thinking about how people will also reskin Because I, I think the reskinning is going to be a huge component it lets mm-hmm. people who are into that you know it needs to be there for the people that don't want to put the the energy into it you know right. like oh okay so i do that and i get a vine arm but if somebody's just like i would like to have a geranium arm whatever i don't know why they need to be able to do it and understand how to apply their idea and they can through a special tree of feats we're going to design exactly tbd yeah that's it's gonna have to be you know yeah. it's gonna um, have to be feats you also might take a feat that protects you from revergence rolls, makes them mm-hmm. easier for you to get past without advancing. Yeah. There's going to be magic items that also give you, a, you know, Yeah, because it would be a good idea not, to have that so that some people who just don't want to be bothered with it and they've spent all this time coming up with their backstory and who their character is and they know where they want the game master to take their game, um, they have the opportunity to kind of opt out mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Right. You know, mostly, never completely. But as I sit here thinking about that, yeah, that revergence this mm-hmm. progression chart turns into feats turns into magic items turns into uh creature and monster templates turns into things this is what they were talking about in that book about this is your mechanic and how does your mechanic affect everything else yeah you know mm-hmm. call of cthulhu has madness how does that affect everything else we have revergence and we have a draft of revergence mm-hmm. so in our next episode yeah. i really think we need to do the brainstorming of the effects 
Yeah. Um, we'll bring some to the well, table. Well, should we then? brainstorm the effects in the episode or should we brainstorm them in between? What do you think? Should we make them suffer through us brainstorming? I don't know. Oh, um, by the way, the effects are on a random table mm-hmm. where you roll a D12. Of course. Because I'm going to use I'm going to use so many D12s as I <laughs> as I work on this stuff. Yeah, um, I don't know. We'll talk about it and we'll surprise them with whether or not we're going. So to you do may it. Yeah. or may not in our next mm-hmm. episode be listening to us talk about effects of revergence and brainstorming them, or we may be reviewing them with you and talking about how we've applied those right. effects to do some other things. So if you're following along at home at all, and you have an understanding of where we want to go with this, feel free to tweet at us. Pop yes. in over on Instagram, go, you know what I think would be cool? You know, I said draining arm, obviously not cool, but, you know, maybe to somebody. But if you have an idea while you're listening, pop over, let us know, email us at the website, let us know, mm-hmm. and we'll throw them into our uh, brainstorm whirlwind, I guess. Yeah. And we will imagine a world where some of your ideas yeah. maybe take place in our poor adventurer suffering in the heart of darkness, yeah. deep in the unforgiving shadows of the verge. Or in a fun way, if that's what you want. Or in a fun way, if that's what you want. <laughs> But really in the shadows of the deep, unforgiving verge. (laughs) The dark darkness that's dark. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Um, so yeah. So we've got uh, that. We'll have that in mind. Um, I wanted to go back to playtesting real quick. I did recently go through and and visit local, uh, some local businesses that are D&D related Mm -hmm. here in central New York and Syracuse. Um, And we found quite a few opportunities i think for some play testing yeah we've got a lot of people who said they would play the stuff we make yeah and that will be really cool and we're going to try i think we're going to try to figure out a way to share that with listeners i would well. really like to be able to record it I, yeah I, at the very least record it and you know if people are comfortable you know sure. it, it would be really cool um so that's that's something to look forward well to the other thing we variety. do is if if it's not feasible to record the actual play test we could definitely interview the people who play test it after the fact yeah I and think. ask them what they liked what they thought should change we can do an episode yeah. where we do interviews with the people who play that test. we'll need a bar around for that one well absolutely that could be rough but there could be some background noise but i don't care <laughs> exactly let it bleed because we in. get to record in a bar yeah, exactly let it bleed in all at once yes that's what the noise gate function is for right yeah we'll just <laughs> exactly but right. other than that i think that's all the time we have okay yeah so absolutely. Thank you to everyone out there who is listening. Thank you to you, Josh. Thank you to Daisy, the podcast dog. Yeah, quietly sitting there. Thank you to Shayla, the not good podcast dog. We're probably cutting Shayla out, but Shayla, the other dog. (laughs) There was some whining. If you hear some whining, that's Shayla, the podcast dog. She's not well behaved. She's more likely to whine during recording. She's got a treat right now to make her be quiet. Um, so if you want any more information, you want to look at the revergence mechanic or you want to look and, and again, we have monsters up there. We've got the slither shadow. We've got some variations of the slither, slither shadow that are coming out pretty soon here. Mm -hmm. As soon as I finalize some of the text, I was going to upload those and make slither shadows version 0.2, which will have some expanded versions. Mm -hmm. So if you want to see those read about, we have a document posted from our our most recent episode that posted that is the world of Estrock, which Mm -hmm. is some... Uh, flavor text about the actual world and the places in it. We should have out by this time a uh, document that's a small gazetteer, 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 gazetteer uh, of yeah. the settlement of Last Call. Mm-hmm. So you can see all of those things. You can download them. There's, some of them are, are links to view on a Google Drive, so you can be a viewer on the document as it is edited. Yep. And you can see all those and link to all those from our website at www.fourthpillarofplay.com. All spelled out. All spelled out. Yep. Where you can also like or follow or message us on Twitter or Instagram. One of the things I plan on doing this week is starting to put our audio 
up on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So if you're more of a YouTube person, although watching a YouTube of a static image while listening to a podcast seems counterintuitive to me, but what do I know? But I want to start having that as a presence for when we do video things and we want to actually have a place to host it. Yeah, for sure. So come follow us. We might at some point be on either, you know, Mastodon or one of the other I'm Twitter. leaning towards it. There's a, there's an excellent chance that finally when um, Night Shift Radio or anybody, anybody uh, that we tags me, with. it won't just be a, 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 just a Josh. It will actually, I think probably Mastodon. I'm leaning towards Mastodon. I got to okay. sit down and do it. I might make you in charge of Mastodon. Okay. Yeah. Because um, I got to figure it out. What's cause... the other one? It's Mastodon or... Um... Um, uh, Michael over at Never Heard of It just started a hive. Hive within that's right. within the Night Shift Network. He just started a hive, which I haven't looked at yet. But I hear Hive is a little bit more small, a little more Twitter clony. Maybe I, I'm not sure. I, I have to take a look at it. But um, you might find us on there. As of today, I did read that the um, on Twitter the protocols for COVID misinformation have been turned off. Oh well, yeah. If you can well, see our and faces if that, at and home, if that misinformation yeah. gets removed, then all kinds of misinformation gets exactly. To fly, but, and know. and it's the it, content moderation is going out the window at Twitter. Yeah, and it, and the benefits of it are seem limited increasingly. Ex- so. Increasingly not helpful. Yeah. Um, so we're really looking mostly to engage with people, and if yeah. Twitter doesn't allow for that, then I don't see the point in expending right. energy there. No, agree. So at some point we will say, guys, we're done with Twitter. Right. Um, but I think it's just. I think it's just difficult for us because we just got into this. I know. I just got into Twitter <laughs> for the we, first time. And we, yeah. All right, guys. So but, uh, um, don't want to hold you Message us on your platform of choice. Yeah, absolutely. And we, once again, we look forward to creating more with you. Yep. Have All a right. great week, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.